On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Glenn Wexler, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back with another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 206. I'm calling this Bands That Went New Wave. Now, this is a little different than, um, I don't think I ever did the whole episode on bands that went disco. Maybe I did. I think we have something on keyboards, bands that added keyboards. I think, you know, we definitely have something on electronic drums. This is a little bit different than that. It will take into some of those things, but this is more the idea of, um, and we're going to look at this a little over over time, and I've got some categories as usual. This is more like bands that... Uh, that went new wavy, and I, you know, in the true spirit of this, I, I wished I would have been able to make a whole episode of the late seventies, um, because that's when you know first we get punk, then we get new wave, uh, we get baby bands being new wave, but we do get some of these bands trying new wave. But what I found interesting about this episode is that um, I couldn't think of any examples of bands that actually went punk. Uh, that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, there was a lot of hype for punk, especially over in the UK, New York City, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, the big year for punk was 1977. That's when all the albums came out. It already started to fade by 1978. But it's interesting that no bands actually tried to go punk. Um, not that I can think of. Let us know on the Facebook page if you can think of anybody. Um, you know, I know there were the odd... Uh, you know, heavy metal band, like very, let's just like nascent early examples, but there are um, likely, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but a few like new wave of British heavy metal bands that might've started like more of a punk band because generally you would start, you know, in, in 77, 78, if you were going to become a new wave of British heavy metal band. Um, but yeah, kind of interesting uh, that, that there is none of that there. And there's really no punk here, but I do have some uh, some excellent examples of, uh, of New Wave here. And I think we've caught a lot of, this is going to be kind of like, a, you know, a, a rich thing looking at a lot of different disciplines. Um, so yeah, so let's, uh, let's play the first track and we shall discuss. This is Queen with Staying Power. See what I got. I got a hell of a lot. Power. 
All right, so this is from 1982's Hot Space. Queen is an interesting example. I'm loosely calling this category classic rock bands. Um, so this kind of goes back to the beginnings and it goes back to what I would have wanted this whole episode to be. Um, but I found enough to, uh, to to add some other things. So so the, the interesting thing about this Hot Space album is that um, it's dancey, it's disco, it's electronic, it's futuristic. So it's that kind of new wave. But it is also... The kind of new wave that I wanted for this is it is kind of herky jerky as well. So it's got a little bit of that going to it. You don't hear you don't hear an affected new wave vocal out of Freddie or anything like that. And the other interesting thing about including Queen in this is that the previous album doesn't, you know, the game doesn't really have any new wave isms. It's got it's got, you know, some weirdness with crazy little thing called love and and another one bites the dust. You've got disco and you've got rockabilly and you've got you've got a little bit of modernity added to it, but this is the album where it goes crazy. And the other thing that's interesting about Queen is that they do have the song Sheer Heart Attack uh, on uh, News of the World 1977 and that's ostensibly the idea of responding to punk. And so you could say Queen went punk for one song and they absolutely did an amazing job of it because that is a super powerful, punky, energetic song. It's like better than punk. It's like them doing punk and then just being better at it. Um, but they only do it for one song and it is a little bit of a lark and it's definitely a departure because it's one of the, their most raw and, and seething and energetic songs. So that's kind of cool and an interesting one that, that kind of aligns up a little bit with that is Led Zeppelin's Wearing and Tearing, right? Because that um, is, uh, you know, so that comes on Coda. It's a non-LP track, so it's on the Rarities album Coda. Um, but it was recorded uh, during the uh, In Through the Outdoor sessions, and it's kind of their response to uh, to punk. Um, you know, Jimmy Page was, was enamored with the energy of the dam. There's that famous quote. So it's almost like their sheer heart attack song, this Wearing and Tearing song. And it is a good rock and raucous, uh, you know, heavy song. Um, also interesting along those lines is something like the Rolling Stones Shattered. So shat, uh, Rolling Stones they essentially went through that great period when where they were like a really big band again um and uh you know trying disco but essentially being the rolling stones but shattered definitely stands out like a sore thumb as them trying to do something new wavy it is very quirky and new wavy and this is them you know inspired by that whole new york scene it's you know 1978 uh some girls album so that's kind of cool um you know, what else do we got? Um, you know, you could almost say that Black Sabbath Never Say Die, the song Never Say Die, seems like a bit of a punky song. Uh, but, you know, Black Sabbath brings up an interesting point. There's a lot of bands that didn't try anything really new wavy. I don't I don't think, you know, you could never say Aerosmith tried anything new wavy, Ted Nugent. Um, so, you know, it's not like every band kind of did this. But I thought that song kind of always stood out. I remember when I was hearing it in 78 thinking, oh, this is Black Sabbath's punk song. Um, Kiss uh, is an interesting example. Um, you know, you could think that the Unmasked album is them getting a little new wavy. Uh, and I think it is. Uh, I think what you get as a... Um, as almost like a signal about the new waviness uh, when a band tries this is the tightening of the clothes, you know, like like the toning it down on the costumes, uh, the cutting the hair. You know, they, they didn't have long hair, they didn't have short hair, and it didn't look very good. Uh, but you could say that Unmasked definitely has a little bit of a new wave feel. Uh, it's, it's a little bit in the abstract of the philosophy of the production, you know, the tighter production, the, uh, the less bassiness, boominess on the drums. Um, 
you know, making everything sound claustrophobic and again, a little herky-jerky. So this is that sort of new wave thing. Um, it's not really punky. It's even got a song in there called She's So European. But no, I, I don't think Dynasty, which is 79, um, is particularly new wavy in any way. Uh, but I think you do get that by the time you get to Unmasked a little bit. So, you know, they're, they're moving up in the years past the sort of new wave thing. This is, you know, 1980 at this point. Um, you know, did Billy Joel go a little new wavy? Um, I've had it suggested that, you know, you could you could signal a new waviness in, in changing your name a little bit. So Bay City Rollers become the Rollers. But that album uh, is not very new wavy. Strangers in the Wind, 78. Um, Jefferson Starship, you could definitely say they went uh, pretty new wave on Modern Times in 81. Electric Light Orchestra, definitely. I think, uh, you know, on the Time album, you've got things like Yours Truly, 2095, and From the End of the World, or Here's the news where they sound like almost like an you know an extreme version of Devo um, so you could say they definitely went kind of new wavy um, also in the classic rock category uh, think of something like Lindsey Buckingham for the Law and Order album in 1981 Go Insane uh, 84 and even that was sort of echoed a little bit uh, by the likes of Fleetwood Mask on Tusk right so so that was considered their stripped back a little bit caveman-y, a little bit new wavy album. It was a little bit their response to being this mass, you know, who, why would you want to change your sound anyways? But anyways, they do this double album, which is a little obscure and it's got some experimental things on it. And I think that was kind of their, um, you know, embracing of this new music, this new creativity, trying to be a little bit fresh and not be the classic rock band uh, again that had these two massive, massive albums in Fleetwood Mac and Rumors, right? So uh, so there you go. That's the category, uh, classic rock bands. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. 
So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back again here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 206, Bands That Went New Wave. The category this time uh, for number two, let's take a listen first of all. This is Tease with That Kind of Girl. Okay, so the category here is baby bands. Uh, Tease is a great example. Um, one of the rare examples, and they're one of the better examples, I would say, uh, of this whole thing. So Tease is this great Canadian hard rock band. They've got the self-titled debut. They got On the Loose. They got the Tour of Japan, one of the heaviest albums of the 70s, uh, like a good heavy rocking album. Then, you know, the next one's a little uh, experimental, One Night Stands. Um, but then they do this... Um, this last album, last album they ever did, it ruined the band, Body Shots. So they have this Body Shots album that comes out, and literally this sounds like the work of a different band. It's definitely really herky-jerky. Brian Danter is, is adopting an artistic British sort of voice. The All the, the, the percussion is kind of like clustered and clumpy, um, as you can hear on this song. So yeah, this Body Shots album is uh, is one of the rare examples, definitely, of a, of a classic rock band. And this time, a really pronounced classic rock band who's actually uh, a, a nascent, you know, essentially a heavy metal band, right? A hard rock band, Tease, uh, going going this direction. And, you know, I remember talking to the guys, I interviewed all four of the guys, 
uh, over the years and uh, and they talked about what a disaster this is you know they had in like a clothing consultant who was making them wear new wavy clothes and then the band of course is sounding super new wavy so yeah it just killed the band it was just an absolute identity changer um, you know stars we could think about stars with the likes of attention shoppers so this is another band put out two albums sound like the tease albums right good solid you know american meat and potatoes tease is canadian of course from windsor but um you know uh hard rock so you got stars you got violation um and then they do this attention shoppers album which is very mellow so this is this is a kind of new wave i went through the whole thing to prepare for this episode again and it's it's more the kind of new wave that is uh is a stripped back sound but it's not herky-jerky and punky new wave it's not like english new wave but it's more like the idea of uh when you're adopting certain 60s pop tropes and maybe even girl group tropes so a little bit of traditionalism so it's a little bit of the east coast american new wave uh, feel you know you think of bands like the romantics who are like a retro band right um in effect south south side johnny mink deville mink deville's kind of slash you know retro slash new wave uh, a little bit so uh yeah stars i think you can hear that in the song she uh but even so so this is funny that the the one one of the two heaviest songs on it is called x-ray specs which is the name of a new wave band but it even has a little bit of a new wave vibe to it as well um it's it's kind of got this surging up tempo feel so well a punky so almost like a punky vibe uh to that one even though it's a heavy one um but yeah think of any way that you want it i'll be there waiting on you definitely pop um and you know they have uh, they they put aside kind of the the black leather clothes and now they're just in dressed in uh you know standard uh, new way of poppy mainstream clothes so uh so that's that one um Derringer, I think uh, you could say uh arguably went new wave between the likes of the classic Sweet Evil album and then uh the 78 album uh, if I weren't so romantic I'd shoot you so it in a sense I think I've even done a whole episode on these bands getting mellow and poppy but you know monomania there there's some sound effects on there I love the album but but you could say it uh it it gets a little bit new wavy um we've got the great example of the boys so this is like a southern biker rock and rollin' band, a 1978 album called uh, Too Wild to Tame. They actually, like the Bay City Rollers, changed their name to The Biz, so B apostrophe ZZ, and uh, and it gets kind of poppier, a little more new wave, a little more mainstream. It's not particularly new wavy, but uh, you definitely feel that pronounced change, and they've got, you know, the album covers kind of like this... Uh, you know, looks like a bee, so it's it's brighter colored. And the first one, it's like a like you're in a wild west town, and there's bikes and bikers everywhere. I mean, it's a really mean looking looking sort of album. Um, I almost feel like the gods go a little bit new wave between uh you know the the classic uh, debut album to the Nothing Is Sacred album. The Nothing Is Sacred album looks totally mean and metal. It's bikers, smoke, um, but it's a little bit. Uh, again, in that sort of retro uh, feel of of being new wave um, band, nobody's gonna gonna heard of. But one of one of the first bands, well, the first band I ever saw live, they were amazing. They looked like rock gods to us, the Carroll Brothers from BC. Um, but uh, their singles were heavy. They were heavy live. It looked amazing, right? They came through our little town of Trail, BC. Uh, but they had a self-titled debut. Uh, unfortunately, it was a disappointment. It wasn't very heavy, but it definitely wasn't New Wave. But you get to the second album, Baby Get Down, and again, they're cutting their hair, and they're sounding a little New Wave. So that's a little one. That's a that's one that's a little bit like the tease example that, that you know, kind of lines up really good. Um, 
You've got Utopia, Todd Rundgren. Um, it's not exactly baby bands, but yeah, Todd Rundgren was really futuristic. He went kind of new wavy. Uh, you know, again, maybe uh, a little more in the classic rock. Should have should have put these in the in the previous example. So the classic rock. You've got Neil Young with the likes of Trans, 1983, with We Are in Control, Computer Age. He said it was influenced by Kraftwerk. There's a lot of electronics on it. Um, Atomic Rooster, Headline News. You could say they went kind of new wave. June 83. Um, David Bowie. Um, so here's an interesting one. You know, this is a this is someone who comes out of a traditional music making, even though you know the look and all that. Ziggy Stardust, blah blah blah, Aladdin Insane, but very traditional musically. Um, but when they go into the Berlin period with Iggy Pop. Um, you could say that David Bowie goes new wave and kind of invents the new wave. I mean, he's very important in terms of inventing. Uh, he'd be a huge influence on bands that called themselves new wave and punk, but he's not punk, uh, but the punk bands would call him an influence, but definitely super influence on what became new wave, post-punk, new romantics later on, all that kind of stuff. But those, those albums, you could say that he kind of went new wave, um, Another one in the classic rock category, just to just to show you that bands essentially um, didn't go new wave, but they they would try something once in a while. Is is like the likes of ZZ Top with like groovy little hippie pad, right? Um, so that's that's definitely a new wavy song on El Loco. I don't particularly think Eliminator counts for any of this, um, but yeah, they do a couple of quirky things here and there. And this comes from Billy Gibbons, um, you know, and his travels in Europe and being sort of inspired by this stuff. Interesting in the baby band category. You can think of a band, uh, you know, and there's uh, funny, there's not a lot of examples of, of this, but you could say that the Boomtown Rats are a punk band that went new wave um, because squarely, squarely, Tonic for the Troops is a new wave album and Fine Art of Surfacing is a new wave album. Um, but the Boomtown Rats, uh, you know, is is definitely a punk album. Um, and some of those other bands went kind of mellow in, in some various directions. You can loosely call it new wave, but I think Tonic for the Troops is the best example of, uh, of this sort of thing. Okay, so that's your baby bands category. Take a listen to this, our third selection. This is Genesis with Abbott cab. Okay, so our category here is prog bands. What prog bands went new wave? And again, I don't think all of them did. I don't think yes. I don't think you could ever say yes went new wave. You know, even though you've got Tormato with the shorter songs and you've got some Buggles guys joining him for drama, but drama's a, just a good prog album, right? And I don't think uh, 90125, oh, whatever it is, <laughs> or uh, Big Generator, I don't think any of those are particularly new wavy. Um but uh, but Genesis definitely this is a this is a, uh, an example of a band that was super successful with it because this is when they got really big so they went from almost the purest pro progressive rock band you can possibly imagine to being very much about synthesizers and uh, and electronic drums or gated drums treated drums um, love this album to death but it's very new wavy you think of Keep It Dark and especially Who Done It with which annoyed a lot of people. Um, but even Duke, uh, you see it starting up, and then and then later on, they're they're just there's like really they're they're like a they're like the prog rock Devo uh, when you get to the Genesis Genesis album and We Can't Dance stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they're definitely an example of a band that went new wave. Um, 
Uh, Jethro Tull, uh, you know, you think of even, you know, Broadsword and the Beast is a funny one because you think of that cover. It's the most progressive rock cover you can imagine. But they're starting to go new wave there. Uh, they, they definitely go a lot more in that direction. You know, as time goes on, you think of the Under Wraps album. Uh, you know, Under Wraps... Uh, the song under wraps, Lap of Luxury. We're up into 1984. I don't really want to talk about that because that's sort of a, a different category here. But um, yeah, Renaissance. You think Renaissance, big change from 1979's Azure Door. Uh, when you get to Camera Camera, 1981, they become a full-fledged new wave band. So a lot of electronic per uh, percussion and herky-jerkiness and uh, rigid rhythms, uh, kind of dancey rhythms. We're thinking of that kind of new wave. Um, so yeah, definitely, um, King Crimson, great example of this, of a band that goes new wave. So, um, essentially they are this, this big, serious prog band. They end way back in 1974 with Red, but they take, take the time off and Robert Fripp goes away and he's inspired by New York and all this. And you've got Exposure, that great album and, and all that, you know, Fripp, Fripp and Eno stuff in there, Evening Star and all that kind of thing. But when they come back... When they come back, they are really inspired by herky-jerky, post-punk sort of rhythms. Um, you've got Tony Levin in there. Adrian Ballou comes in as this nerdy, kind of freaky guy who's, uh, you know, came from Frank Zappa's band, and he makes a lot of quirky, new wavy noise. This is almost like more post-punk than new wave because it's such a radical new wave sound, but you also get, you know, that effect of, uh, you know, the talking heads. So this is all, you know, Daryl Hall, this whole New York sort of scene going on. So basically, King Crimson comes back and gives you radical, radical albums in, uh, in Discipline in 1980 and Beat in 1981 and uh, three of a perfect pair. Is it 83, 84? Uh, anyway, so those three. So you get the red, blue, and yellow period of King Crimson. Very, very new wavy uh, for a progressive rock band. Um, Styx Kilroy is here. Um, definitely this is a quasi-prog, pump rock band, whatever you want to call them, classic rock band, that when you arrive at this album, it's got electronic drums. Uh, you think of Mr. Roboto, very new wavy with the synth sounds and the, and the treated, uh, you know, the vocal on it. Um, so this is it's concept album, but it's, it's, very, it's very tight rhythmically. The bass is kind of like cloistered and pent up new wave bass uh, on here. Um, I definitely don't like the album at all. You can see the, the recent Contrarians episode uh, we did uh, on that, and I, I give it a 0 out of 10. Um, Hawkwind, interesting example. So here you have a quasi, well, space rock, hard rock, semi-heavy metal, semi-prog, uh, semi-ambient. Uh, you know, Hawkwind's hard to describe to their credit. Uh, but you get up to Quark, Strangeness, and Charm, and I think that's definitely a new wave song, and you get kind of a new wave diva-ish vocal on it. Um, it's got it's got a very uh, conservative hypnosis album cover, but I think it's kind of new wavy. And then, you know, it's 1978, they morph into Hawk Lords, uh, which you could say is a little bit of a new wavy thing. So, so yeah, they kind of go through a bit of a new wave period. And, you know, anybody who was that big and that exploratory in electronic sound and synthesizers, uh, it's going to feel new wavy anyways. But they, they definitely kind of push in that direction a little bit and give you a little bit of that uh, as well at that point. Um, okay, let's go on, on to our fourth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Alice Cooper with Aspirin Damage. I got a load of tension Burning up my neck Something's wrong with my suspension 
So pass those tablets to this wreck. All right, so this is uh, Alice Cooper from the great Flush the Fashion album. Um, this is the category here is the very, very, very best example of for this entire episode. Alice Cooper is absolutely the best example. Who would have thought it, right? Um, but, you know, you get this guy who's coming out of this. So he's been a solo artist for four or five albums at this point. Very traditional music uh, on From the Inside and Goes to Hell and Lace and Whiskey. Just basically... Uh, Ballads, semi-rock, fooling around, general general classic rock made with general traditional instruments, right? Um, but you get to this album, uh, you know, this is entering the blackout years, as they call them, the dark years where he's drinking a lot, he's doing crack cocaine, he's hallucinating, he almost dies, he goes down to like 100 pounds or whatever. Uh, but basically you get the... Um, you get the Flush the Fashion album, Special Forces, Zipper Catches Skin, and Dada. Uh, these albums that don't sell very well. He's still on Warner, but they are very quirky and new wavy. Uh, he cuts his hair. He's got kind of a punk rock look. Well, yeah, that's true. It's it's more of a punk rock look that he has through this period than even new wave. But the albums are very new wave, very herky-jerky, very um, quirky with the lyrics. He even adopts a new wave vocal. Man, this is the perfect example. If that Tease album, you know, because that's an obscure small band example, and it's it's... Even that isn't as um, as convincing as Alice Cooper here. So here's a guy who totally becomes a new wave artist, and he does it for four albums, right? Uh, but then, yeah, he goes away. He has to clean up because he almost dies, and he comes back as almost like a uh, a slasher rock horror hair metal rocker guy again for the likes of Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yell. So at that point, he comes back. He's just a mainstream Sunset Strip kind of rocker. Um, so he's completely put that whole thing aside. But yeah, here you go. Definitely, definitely best example. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our number five track here. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Veins. Okay, so the category here is moving on into the 80s. So this is a temporal moving on, and um, and we're getting a little bit into dangerous terrain of, of hopefully not overlapping with other episodes, but the idea here is becoming uh, bands that become new wave, um, but now we're not talking 78, 79 new wave. Actually, there's one other funny thing I wanted to mention about a baby band, you know, put this in the Boomtown Rats category. The Cars is a funny one, right? So the Cars are almost credited with creating this new wave sound or being very successful in it, right? Um, with that debut album. But the funny thing about the Cars is that is that they're a new wave band that's kind of hard rocky and using traditional instruments on that debut. And they they become even more new wavy when you get to Candio and Panorama and Door to Door and all those. So so at that point, they, they actually become, they, they actually create a certain kind of new wave that's a new wave of traditional instruments and become this even more Devo-ish, uh, mainstream-ish, mind you, but, but mainstream Devo-ish sort of new wave band. 
So what made me think of that is Blue Oyster Cult is a is a really cool example because as you hear in this Vane song, so so you're hearing a modern version of New Wave. You could say we're now into synth pop New Wave, New Romantics New Wave, Duran Duran, you know, whatever, a bunch of those sorts of bands. But the funny thing about Blue Oyster Cult that's interesting uh, in this New Wave trajectory is you could go back to uh, 1981's Fire of Unknown Origin and hear a little bit of new waviness in the song Fire of Unknown Origin, After Dark. Like, like I've often said that those songs reminded me of the Stranglers a little bit, right? And one of the main reasons I think that way is because you move from Alan Lanier as a barrel house, honky-tonk, boogie-woogie piano player uh, to a synthesizer player, right? Um, so, so that album, you get this modernity to it, which is synthesizer. So that sort of signifies new wave. Now, when you get to veins, we're up into 1983 and the revolution by night. Um, now you've got electronic drums. Um, you've got very techy new wavey production. So, so this is like them being a different kind of new wave. Um, so just a couple others into this category of, of later years. I think Iggy Pop, for example, um, you could say he's always kind of been a new wave artist, like post Stooges, but I think he gets into an even more new wavey sort of feel when you get to Zombie Birdhouse um, because it's a little more artsy. Um, Rush, of course, is a famous one that you could say they go new wavy, influenced by Getty getting into keyboards, influenced by Neil Peart being inspired by Stuart Copeland, so they get a little policey. Uh, but as time goes on, you get Signals, which has a lot of keyboards, and then they get really keyboardy at the percussion end. And by the time you get to uh, Power Windows and Hold Your Fire, you could say, uh, you know, generally what you say is that they've become quite keyboardy, but you could also say that they've become quite new wavy. So, you know, even though Blue Oyster Cult adopts 80s production tropes and keyboard sounds and drum sounds uh, across the likes of Revolution by Night and Club Ninja, they're still essentially writing Blue Oyster culty music. Uh, it's just got some 80s sounds, but Rush really kind of does go new wave. Um, you know, and in the department of bands like Blue Oyster Cult, who really don't change in the writing very much, you've got the likes of Molly Hatchet and Blackfoot, you know, the famous, uh, you know, 38 Special, the famous trope of these... Um, of these Southern rock bands trying this and falling flat on their face because it just doesn't line up with uh, big bellies and big beards and, uh, you know, um, belt buckles and jeans uh, doing this kind of new wavy poppy thing. But those bands kind of do it. Um, Robert Plant's a kind of an interesting example. So he goes from basically a classic rock artist on, uh, you know, the principle of moments and, uh, and pictures at 11, the earlier one, you get to Shaken and Stirred, and it's a very new wavy album. And it's not even that he's keyboard tropey new wavy. It's just, he's just really creative and strange and new wavy. So that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting one. So, uh, so there you go. That's, uh, that's our last category. So this is us moving into the 80s. There are many, many examples of this version of new wave as well. But, uh, I think we covered a lot of good bases there. Um, I want to just mention the last episode, Triple Crown Rockers. Um, there was some really good input after the fact on Facebook of people pointing out some that actually fit that. Remember, the idea was uh, name name uh, some rockers or some rock stars, some individuals who have been on three classic albums by three different bands. And um, I thought there were a couple examples that came up that I thought were even better than my honorable mentions uh, or or should have or could have been actual examples. And those would be the likes of Bob Daisley. 
on Rainbow Long Live Rock and Roll, Diary of a Madman, uh, and of course the second one, and Your I Heap Abominog. So I think all those albums are absolutely classic. And I like him in there. He's not a side guy. He's a writer. He's an, he's an important guy because I didn't want to put side guys in. There's people like Don Airy that um, you know I don't, I don't really include in this. Um, Bill Bruford definitely, I think, fits as well. You could pick Yes, Close to the Edge, King Crimson Red, and the, and the UK album, the first UK album. I think all of those are classic. So he's, he's like our best example of a prog rock guy who is a triple crown rocker. Um, and Bruce Dickinson, I think, fits as well. Other people disagreed with me because they don't think uh, Samson Shock Tactics is a classic. I totally do. Um, so you could put, you could pick sh- uh, Shock Tactics, uh, pick any Iron Maiden album. I'll go with Peace of Mind. And uh, most people agree that The Chemical Wedding is an absolute classic, maybe better than almost every single Iron Maiden album. So Bruce Dickinson, welcome to the Triple Crown Rockers uh, crowd. Um, if you like this episode and uh, this show and want to support future episodes, go to uh, coffee.com, uh, uh, rhymes with coffee, of course, slash Martin Popoff. This is my main way of supporting this thing. It's just a simple PayPal. Uh, hit the $3 button. You know, sometimes people double it, triple it, or whatever. But uh, yeah, very, very, uh, very uh, nice and easy to use way to support the show. Uh, this week, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Again, he's part of my, uh, the new Cure book that I have out right now. You can check that out, a panel book where we go through every Cure studio album. You go to martinpopoff.com for that. Um, so yeah, he says some really good stuff in there. He's a super deep thinker on on these bands, and he especially loves the Cure, like great stuff on disintegration and stuff like that. Uh, so Andy, of course, he's a he's he's in KMFDM and Blondie and all that as well. So he's a he's he's a definite bonafide rock star uh, as well. Kevin Donaldson as well. Thank you very much, David Fisher, John Lilly, Augustine Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, John Stuckey, and William Walker. Thank you all very much. Again, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. The other recent books are the big, nice, expensive coffee table books. We've got the Pink Floyd, the ACDC, and the David Bowie. Got all of those in stock. Uh, so there you go. Um, go uh, go take a listen to this stuff. Let me know if you can think of any other bands that went new wave any better examples uh than alice cooper or t's uh frankly um and uh, it'd be nice to know if you could think of anybody who went punk uh there you go uh go play some uh go go play some blackout era alice cooper that's your homework find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. 
I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.